Welcome to season five of the Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good podcast. Do more good. Do good. Do more. Do more good podcast. Do more good podcast. That's what you want me to say. Okay. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. Here we are, James, episode number 67 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Kenneth. I'm good. It's nice to see you again. It's been, a, it's been about a month since I last saw you. You well? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good. It has. It has been a month, hasn't it? We've had our mid-season break, I think, is uh, what we're referring to it as. You've been, you've been getting into a bit of homeschooling, haven't you, last month? <laughs> haven't we all? Haven't we all? Yeah, I think that's probably been one of the distractions away from sitting down and recording the podcast. But um, yeah, like many, homeschooling has been been on the cards and, you know, trying to share some of my wisdom with my children. Um, oh. you know, I want them to grow up to be brilliant individuals just like me. <laughs> You're um, well, good for that, because all I've been doing is binge watching TV. I've been <laughs> terrible this month. I watched The, the Serpent. I've been oh, watching yeah. a bit. Yeah. Seen that? I've watched a bit of The Crown, which will be useful for later on with our guest. I watched in a, I watched Instant Hotel Australia. Now I can I can already feel you judging me, but <laughs> it's in your eyes. Honestly, it, it it's dreadful, but um, highly addictive. Instant Hotel Australia. Oh, like, you know, come dine. I'm a big fan of come dine with me. Love right. it. Absolutely love it. Um, it's a bit like that, but with hotel or, or Airbnbs in Australia. Okay. And they go around uh, and they, they vote, you know, score each other. Uh, draw, lots of drama, um, lots of kind of clever editing by the producers to make them look like they hate each other, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, at least it wasn't Housewives of Cheshire that you were referring to. <laughs> I've, still got, yeah, I've got that one stored. I'll, I'll be <laughs> tuning into that one soon, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a small pleasure, isn't it, at the moment, James? There's not much really else to, other than kind of, we were just talking about it with our, with our guests before we, uh, before we started. It's the small things everything else looks the same four walls same people you speak to every day same people you see face to face how are you getting on through it all you guys were going quite highbrow really with your your uh, literature that you were sharing little book club going on whereas then i turn up with come dine with me it's not quite the same <laughs> the same intellectual level is it but uh you know one week at a time uh mm. just struggling mm. through getting mm. through it yeah and is there any, anything, I mean, obviously it's been a challenging start to the year from, from the sector point of view. We were just, again, just talking about Twitter and what's going on. Anything caught your eye over the, the last month in your work in the sector and from, from your point of view, how, how things are you right? Yeah, I, was on a couple of, I was on a couple of calls today, some, some sort of presentations and conversations things, and we are adopting the same behaviours that it sounds like other charities are, which is more about wellbeing, looking after staff. We've switched for January to real core hours and making sure people take lunch breaks and look after themselves through this month. So there's been a real focus on that. And we were very busy towards the end of last year. So it's a bit more about long-term planning and that sort of thing. And that, that sounds like lots of people are doing the same. Yeah. About same with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has been yeah. kind of a hundred miles an hour for a year. So it's good to have a month, which is a little bit, a little bit calmer. Yeah. 
No, I've, cer- I've certainly seen that. And, I, it, it, you know, it almost feels kind of coming into the new year, I guess, that we were all, you know, looking forward to the new year and then obviously came in with, with lockdown again. And, and now people are really focusing on that and, and, and businesses and charities and organisations are, are taking people's well-being a lot more seriously. And I mean, I must admit, I've been, um, you know, super grateful for the support of my organisation through this time, as I'm, I'm sure, you, you know, lots of people have, but also realised how, how lucky and privileged I am to have that, that support because there's still a lot yeah. of people out there and a lot of charities and small organisations and big organisations that are finding it really, really tough. So, you know, there is a there is a light at the end of this tunnel and I think every day that goes by is, you know, gets us closer to that light. So, so yeah, it's good to be back on the show. It's good to be back with a great guest and it's good to be back in the swing of things for what hopefully will be an exciting 2021. Indeed. Right, should we crack on? Let's do that. She's sitting there very patiently. Okay, so our guest this week has been on the Do More Good podcast before. She was actually featured on one of our highlight episodes with the South East London fundraising massive. The Dweebs, actually. I think you called us the Dweebs. Sorry, the Dweebs. December 2018 was the last time she featured so she's gone on to do great things since then obviously that was the the springboard for her amazing career since then but our guest has worked in the charity sector for just over 20 years starting out at the national union of students in press and campaigns and since then she's gone on to hold senior leadership roles at the invictus games foundation the duke of edinburgh award haven house children's hospice and the scout association and prior to moving into more income generation and fundraising type role. She specialised in strategic communications, working in prior roles with the NHS and, and British universities and colleges sport. And in the last few weeks, at the start of 2021, she's recently set up a new consultancy business called Advise, going it alone for the first time in her career, utilising her extensive fundraising and marketing experience from within the charity sector. The consultancy will offer support and guidance to teams wanting to, buy, to diversify their income build their engagement programs and so when we saw the update of this new venture we thought she'd make a great guest to kick off 2021 and so we'd like to welcome Jenny Anderson back to the Do More Good podcast. Hi Jenny how are you doing? Hello hello everyone I'm good thank you very good actually lovely to see you both and lovely to be here shame we're not in a pub but those days will come back soon. They will. They will. I know. What was it like December 2018? Have you got any uh, lasting memories from that conversation with the South London uh, fundraising dweebs? I think it was glorious. I think we had pina coladas. I think actually, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I believe we did. I remember the bar built the expenses for that one. Carl, trying to get that one signed off by Kenneth afterwards was a nightmare. <laughs> um, so, Jenny, look, thank you so much for your time. It's a really pleasure to, to have you back on the show and, and talking. And, you know, we'll get into how 2021 started for you and the decisions that you've made. But as we normally like to do on the show, it, you know, we find that people like to understand people's background and, and kind of where it all started in terms of their journey into the charity sector. Touched on a couple of your roles there, but how, how did it all start out for you? And can you talk, talk us through your, your career to date? I started, I like to think that, you know, I started in the charity sector when I got my first job, which was at NUS, which was a really national union of students. It was based, for those that know NUS, based on the Holloway Road, quite a famous um, place for um, student action, advocacy and campaigning, and still is to this day, but not based there anymore. And 
you know, that was my first paid job out of university. But I think when I think back to the charity sector itself, and when you think about what actually inspired you to join that sector, I was heavily involved in Duke Edinburgh's award when I was a kid, as I was in the Scouts, and doing volunteering and uh, meeting other people in, from different walks of life and, you know, just engaging in my local community, I suppose, is really where it all started. I just hadn't really appreciated that's where it started. And then from there, I just went on and did some communications roles. I thought that's that's what you do, you know, you've built up a skill set and then you go and deploy that skill set in other organizations and mm. I ended up at a um, quite an innovative organization called Future Builders which at the time was a cabinet-backed treasury-backed loan fund for charities who wanted to deliver public services it was like 150 million of loans being um, loaned to charities who were probably working in quite the spiky end of uh, welfare and care and youth justice um, and um, diversity inclusion and things like that but they didn't have the means yet by which to to generate income against the services that were delivering in their local communities so you'd get a loan from future builders it would be twins and combined with some grant income and some development activity and you'd go and get your services commissioned by a local authority for example or um within the private sector and then you pay that loan back it was absolutely a fantastic opportunity to see this whole breadth of um, charities and people running charities across across England what struck me about meeting all of the different investees was that actually income and generating income is pretty exciting and if you can combine really good communications really good marketing with ways of raising funds that doesn't necessarily have to be donations you can raise money in many many different ways I was quite inspired by lots of those organizations that I met and I made a concerted effort really to then move into fundraising like most people no one really <laughs> wakes up do they and says right I'm gonna I'm gonna go and do this career that I've heard about called fundraising um, and so like most people I fell into that fell into a fundraising role and then and then moved away from comms really although I've still really enjoyed that side of many of the roles I've been in um, into income generation really and that's and that's sort of taken me where where I am today. It, was, it feels like there's that natural progression really from kind of volunteering to move into charity and then like comms doesn't operate on its own or the best fundraising oh. works with alongside brand and comms as, so that all feels like it, it flows. Yeah, I, I mean, I have purposely worked in organisations where those two components are closely linked. And because I do, I do think you can't do one without the other. And everyone brings a different perspective and a lens, you know, a marketing lens or a communications lens. And then your, you know, voluntary and your income and your fundraising lens and your trading lens. And I like, I like working in organisations where all of those parts are very much integrated and lots of organisations for you know various reasons, quite a lot of the larger ones, it's quite difficult to do that from a scale and a capacity perspective. So that means my career to this date has been really focused on a medium, under you no know, medium to small organisations where you are able to integrate and work collaboratively within those departments to get the best results. And talking about working collaboratively, I said that I've, I've been watching The Crown. Um, I'm up to about season two because I've only just started, so I'm quite a way behind. But I am wondering when you start to feature, uh, when you'll come into this through your role at Invictus and then kind of collaborating with the royal family, best mates, 
best mates with those guys. Is it is it right? Is it an unpopular opinion to say that I've never watched it? Well, you I mean you wouldn't have to. You 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 know it inside <laughs> out, don't you? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it is it's on the agenda to be honest. So I I don't think yeah I'm going to be the main feature of. Jenny, <laughs> <laughs> just going back just going back to the start, you mentioned something about kind of the Scout Association. Now, obviously, that was one of your earlier roles, but. Again, just 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 kind of going back to the start and kind of growing up, and and you talked about community, and and you had this community spirit as a as, you know as a child maybe, and through your scouting, and that kind of led you to to come in that as a career. Was was that part of that decision of why you you took that direction, the the scouting background, and kind of what you grew up knowing about during your childhood? I. I... I mean, it's, it's hindsight, isn't it? I can look back and think that I made those decisions consciously, but I, I definitely didn't. Mm. So I don't know what where the thread is. I mean, I think one of the things, and I think one of the things I wanted to say about the fear I have about starting a new business at this particular time is that you go to school, you go to the careers office, they tell you what job you should do from like spending 10 minutes with you at like age 14. They told me I was going to be a town planner. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you do town planning? Um, I, not not so much at the moment. My mum is still very disappointed with me. Um, there's, still, there's still time. This, you know, could happen. Could yeah. happen. Kenneth, what did they suggest for you? Uh, anyway, swiftly moving on. Sorry, Jenny, <laughs> you, Jenny you were saying... <laughs> I remember being told I should be a teacher and I and I think that was the standard um you know offer to most yeah I was in a girls school as well so I think most people in a girls school um got told that you should be you know join the teaching profession you know and I wasn't adverse to that but it wasn't really I mean I wanted to be be a musical theatre actress and there wasn't that box on the um on the careers list so sort of thought oh, okay and perhaps perhaps I'll have to rethink what I'm going to do when um when I go to college but my parents always said you know you, you get, get a job but do something that you love and I think that's what the charity sector offered was that you would be able to combine things that you love but for a good purpose and the culture and the friendly and warm nature of that sector always um, felt very appealing so again I don't think it was conscious that you know I wanted to do this particular role, be this type of person, but I wanted to have, I wanted to have a job. I wanted to have a good job and mm. I wanted to be able to make sure that that job was doing something good. When I look back, that's probably the key components. That makes Working sense. with Kenneth as well is a little bit like musical theatre sometimes, isn't it? The amount of drama. <laughs> he just <laughs> casually breaks into song when one sentence would do. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I very quickly realised that I wasn't going to make it as a musical theatre actress when I got to university and the standard of excellent performance I was up against I sort of quickly realised that that wasn't going to be me <laughs> so <laughs> I think that you know that early introduction to failure at that point in my career was a, a good moment for me yeah absolutely and so Jenny you went on and you you, you know you've worked at some really some big organisations, some huge ones, some smaller ones. You know, you've you've experienced a lot over your career. How did you? How have you navigated that career? I guess you know. Again, thinking about people who are listening to this and thinking about people who are, you know, maybe at a point in their career where they're they're not they're unsure about where their next the next move is or what direction it's going to take. 
again, it's, it's probably a bit of a standard question that we speak to a lot of people about, but the, the question is ultimately, how did you navigate your career? What were some of them driving factors as you went through it or, or key decisions, key milestones when you decided, okay, now is the right time? Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? I don't have a right answer for this because I've never, again, with hindsight, you can look back and you can see the decisions that you made at the time and why you made them. But in the moment, it's not always, you don't always have that sense of clarity. Yeah. You know, there were certain things I wanted to achieve as a charity professional. You know, there's certain things I wanted to achieve and I haven't achieved those things yet. And I think that was what that at the time was what was driving me. So, you know, if you want to say you want to be a charity CEO at some point, you want to be that uh, person who is you know, responsible for making the decisions for your for your charity. then there's a certain path that you take to get there. And I think that's what I was thinking of doing. Now, that's consciously I was thinking, right, if I do, if I work in these types of organisations, you know, I understand how small organisations work. I understand how large organisations work. I understand how local organisations work. I understand how national organisations. And you start to build, you know, the, the, the bricks in the wall that, that say, right, well, I know these things now so that I can go and do this other thing. So I think definitely something conscious about that. Interestingly, there was Pizza for Losers. I, 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 did, I didn't go to it, but I followed it on Twitter. And some of the things that were coming out of that really resonated with me is that there's this expectation that you do this one thing and then you do this other thing. And then you just keep jumping that way. So you might jump sideways, you might jump up and you might, you know, and, and um, there's an expectation that that's what you do. And then actually you get really tied down and in and narrowed by that expectation that that you've you actually have set for yourself but because it's of a you know it's the standard way to approach your career mm. and I actually think again with hindsight that's actually it's very limiting mm. because you probably make choices about you know your future based on this framework that's at some point someone said you know this is these are the things these are the steps you must take if you want to get to x so, and that is another one of the other reasons why I thought actually I'm going to jump off that conveyor. conveyor. You've had a you've had a kind of diagonal yeah. diagonal jump there. Yeah. Why, 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 who's who is the person that's saying that that's the right thing to do? Mm. Okay. Um, and I kind of building up to that, how have the last 12, 11 months been for you? What what was it that, that came before this decision? So I was uh, 40 in April last year. So obviously not 40 because I didn't have a birthday. Um, so I'm still 39. Um, <laughs> Absolutely agree. 100%. Uh, it looks like I'm going to have a second lockdown birthday. <laughs> I'm going to be 39 for a long time. And I was really looking forward to being 40 because actually, you know, age is a gift. Not everyone reaches that age. And I was really looking forward to it. And actually, when, when, when it actually appeared and it was in the middle of lockdown, I went out for a bike ride with my husband because that's what you do um, in our household to celebrate your birthday. You use as many heartbeats as you possibly can on the day that you add an extra year. When I got back, I, I actually, it, that, that moment of, oh, I've hit the moment that I thought I would do X, 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 X and X and like I've achieved X, X and X and X, but I haven't achieved that one thing. So rather than focus on all the amazing things that I had done, I focused on the one thing that I hadn't done and that started sort of the, the conversations in my head about what what was I doing and should I be thinking about life slightly differently and then obviously it's in the middle of a pandemic when it's everyone's feeling pretty miserable to be frank 
and looking at what else and what their purpose is and you know what they really want to get out of life right now so it's just that those two things seem to happen at the same time yeah no it, it makes sense it makes sense and there's someone who's t- you're, you're turning 40 this year James as well aren't you well I'm still 39 Kenneth still 39 <laughs> now so uh based on based on Jenny's rule I'm fine of course you yeah. were 40 a couple of weeks when was it November oh. back in well I was 39 back in November yeah yeah which is coming up for you isn't it yeah, mine's in March, so um, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a good point, Jenny. I think you make about people kind of using this time to kind of reflect, and you know, the time that we've got sitting at home and and not commuting, and actually where you can have some time to to think a little bit more and and try and get some clarity on what the future holds. I'm sure there's a few people in your situation. And just before we come in to talk a little bit more about you know your your journey into changing to your to your new experience I and mean, your new hat on. What what have you seen from the charity sector in terms of how it's responded to the pandemic? I mean, the, I know I'm sure there's highlights and negative things as well as positive, but I just wonder if there's any things that kind of stick in your mind from the last sort of 10, 11 months. I think the first positive is the acceleration and the ability to move with digital, just using technology in a way that has actually not just benefited fundraising, but also benefited you know the people that we're supporting through our charities Mm. and I think a lot of and I know it's a necessity so and again a lot of people don't have and I mean we can see it through all of the homeschooling activities that are happening at the moment there's still a huge population that don't have access to internet and don't have laptops don't have iPads to be able to do all of these things but in terms of charities realizing that actually digital isn't as scary as they thought it was and it not and yes it has replaced you know a lot of face-to-face activity but I think the future is a lot more hybrid than that so I think there's just generally things that just make our lives a little bit easier Mm. I think we found at Invictus we found that actually we were seeing more people come to us through us being able to offer um, activities online and digitally than we would have done if we were doing activities face-to-face so for individuals particularly that were at home because they you know didn't want to leave their home then having the ability to talk to someone or you know cycle online or row at home actually gave them an outlet for their sport that they wouldn't have had otherwise because they would have chosen not to go to an event a physical event because they didn't want to go and see other people but they could do it safely from their own home for example Mm. I think yeah I think it's it's more than just fundraising I think it's transformed charities and um and I hope it becomes more of a hybrid than a going back you know saying right we've done digital we'll just put lock we'll lock the box and leave it over there and we'll go back to doing everything face to face no absolutely and I think that's I think already from the conversations that I'm having or, or had and I'm sure the same is for you James is that you know digital has been on the agenda for a number of years hasn't it I mean five six seven ten ten years probably uh, and it feels like we've been talking about it for that long but it yeah. now feels like it's actually here and it's actually real and that it's actually probably sitting high up and high up on the agenda in a charity than ever it has done before which I think can only be a good thing particularly to get us out of this. I think some of the other things around like the hybrid nature of what what a new future might look like for all of us in the you know a face-to-face events you know have been decimated this year I can't I mean I work I was in events and I've worked in events in previous organizations and I just know the effort and love 
that would have been put into the you know the events calendar for so many charities in 2020 and for that to be totally decimated overnight and very few of those being able to be turned into digital events in that short you know that very first couple of quarters of lockdown last year how awful that would have been for everybody working in those charities mm. um, yeah uh, uh, yeah and i and but some some of the things that i've seen since then have been absolutely fantastic i mean my old charity haven house children's hospice um, had a um, spend the night in with Ben Shepherd because Ben Shepherd is their patron. He lives down the road to the hospice in Woodford. And um, so every month Ben did a quiz. You know, he is like the perfect quiz master. It's just, you know, a couple of hours with Ben and about 400 other people on Zoom doing a quiz in aid of the hospice, which, you know, it, for a community charity, there's no way you'd get 400 people turn up for real. So that was that was incredible, and I think that's that's what's flipped on its head is that things you wouldn't have done previously, you now can do, and you can still access that audience. So whilst Kenneth is off getting the drinks in, I'll just remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Do More Good Pod, or take a look at the website DoMoreGood.uk, which is where you can sign up for the Do More Good newsletter. A reminder about new episodes, news on our latest plans, and perhaps some VIP content. Now. I'm a big fan of the like, whereas Kenneth is more of a retweet kind of guy. Either way, we'd love to hear from you with thoughts, suggestions, reviews, or just to let us know you got home okay. Anyway, he's on his way back now. Looking ahead for you, starting off your consultancy life, what do you hope to get out of him? What's in it for you? Well, I think I spoke to quite a few people about doing this before I actually did it, mainly for my own reassurance so I would advise anyone thinking about doing this and we were talking before uh, we started recording about um, a book that we've all got on our bookshelves called The Chimp Paradox which is where you have those nagging thoughts and those negative voices and that chimp saying you know don't do this do this or don't you know don't do that because you'll fall off the edge of a cliff if you do that and that they eat away at you and because I know that I had that chimp I thought the only way I can get rid of it because I can't do it on my own is I'm going to have to go and speak to some people about that have done have done the same journey and what advice can they give me? And actually, everyone I spoke to was just like, just do it. Just do it. Stop overthinking it. Stop analysing it. Just say, yes, just hit go. And I was like, right, OK, this is the sort of advice you would give to people, you know, in the charity sector if they're thinking about taking on, you know, a new campaign or a a new fundraising stream these are things you you know that it's the advice you give to someone in that situation so I went and got reassurance that this is possible and people have done this it's a well-trodden path um and then the other advice that I got from those individuals was around again similar advice you'd give to charities thinking about what they're going to do in in a pandemic and it's like about what is what is your purpose you know what is your why and you know we all know the start with why um and that's exactly what I sat down and then did after those conversations is what, why am I doing this? Well, one reason I'm doing this is because the breadth and access to lots of amazing charities that you don't have when you're working for just one organization. And I was, I'm really looking forward to being able to do that again and speaking to lots and lots of different charities and lots of different people connecting with people in that way. And I think the other thing is around 
you're, you are going in to fix problems potentially or help people maximise opportunities. And that those two things really excite me as well. And again, if you're in an organisation, they, they come in peaks and troughs. Um, whereas if as a consultant, it, it, they're there all the time. Well, that's what I'm banking on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it is a brave decision, Jenny. And I, I mean, I think, again, we were talking just before we recorded and, and one of the reasons we wanted to invite you on is because we, we've known you for a couple of years and, you know, to see you kind of put that that statement out there in various social media platforms that you're you're going it alone and launching something on your own. I was a bit surprised to see it and not because I have any questions about your ability to be able to do that. And I would have said to you, just go and do it as well if you'd if you'd asked. But just within the context of the moment and, you know, I'm sure with a lot of people feeling like, you know, maybe slightly insecure in their roles, uncertainty around the future. I'm sure these are questions that that chimp, you know, continue to chip away at you. But can you what I'm interested in what got you over that final hurdle? When when was that moment when you just said, sod it, I'm, I'm going for it. The decision is made. Let's let's go. I mean, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I didn't hit go. I didn't hit the go button until uh, sort of the beginning of January. It was just after, and I'm going to name check them because they were instrumental for me to be able to hit go. And one of them was Jonathan Andrews of Remarkable Partnerships, because I knew that if I phoned him, he would understand my fears and concerns, but be able to... Um, allay those in such a sympathetic and empathetic way to give me the confidence and I think that is probably the another piece of advice I would give to people in that when people say or oh, you know talk to other people and ask for help and we were talking about this before as well about how, how do you ask other people for help I think it's about how contextualizing that the, the help that you need mm. because it'd be really easy for me just to fire off 20 or you know fire off scattergun loads of emails to lots of people that are in this field and say I'm going to set up my own business can you help me and that's that's and actually that's that's a bit off isn't it you know um I you know but actually what I wanted to understand from uh, particular individuals and I knew they'd be able to help me so understanding their journey but also how that they can help me with perhaps a couple of things within my journey that can unlock that for me so there was a couple of people that I spoke to that I had really honest conversations with. And I think um, all of those people also advise, which I have done, is looking at coaching. And again, I would advise everybody to look at finding a coach, or if not a coach, like a mentor. So someone, again, you don't have to particularly know them, but someone that is willing to really get underneath the skin of, uh, what's going on in your head and able to be empathetic to that also not be afraid to say can I just give you some feedback now <laughs> which is what Jonathan said and I said yes you can Jonathan he was like just need to get on with it and go and I was like right okay and when, when you've taken um, someone's time because that's what you're doing you're taking someone's time and they've given you that advice then it also gives you the just to say, well, I'm not, it's like, I'm not going to list, you know, I've asked him for his advice. So now I'm going to do it <laughs> and get yeah. on with it. So, so yes. Yeah, so I think it's, 
it's fine. And there is lots and lots of people in the sector that are willing to have those conversations with you. And again, that's another thing that I was, uh, that I found very welcoming and very warm in that there's lots of people that are willing to help. So you found your Richard Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Andrews had that to your CV. Um, and uh, how did you come up with the name? I... We should spell it out first. So, you know, because when you see it, I mean, it's going to be a conversation starter anyway. It's like the highest Scrabble score, isn't it? Advise. Advise, yeah. So I do Scrabble. Yeah, and if you put it on a triple word score, you'll get 60 points. It's quite good. And it is, it is. Um, yeah, so I highly advise you using it next time. <laughs> See what I did there. Um, and then I went through pages and pages and pages of words. I mean, I love words anyway. They're brilliant, aren't they? You know, put words together, you get sentences, put sentences together, you get a story and, and we're off. So like most things in my life, I overthunk the whole but coming up with a company name. And initially I was just like, just call it your surname, Jenny. It's just easy. <laughs> call it your surname. Another piece of advice is you go and get an accountant. So if you're going to set up a limited company, you go and get an accountant. And I had a chat with the accountant and he said, don't call it your surname. And I was like, oh, I can't tell you, I've, I've spent like years of my life coming up with my name. And it's my name. He said, no, go away and think about it again. Some people use like their first pet. And I was like, no, I'm not using my first pet's name. What was your first pet's name? Mine. Um, <laughs> Sam, he was a cat and he was killed by a badger in our next door neighbour's <laughs> garage. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, she brought it all back. Killed <laughs> 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 by don't a don't badger. Know. How about that? Brutal. Mine was, mine was Sooty and he was a little toy poodle. Oh. oh. Still with us? You're not going to call your company that, are you? So, Sooty. Sooty Consulting. Yeah, or like the street that you lived in or the, you know, the local place that you, you know, that was. Anyway, so we went through all of that and I wasn't going to do that. So then I thought I'd come up with a smashing name. You heard it here first, Fundology. And I thought, that is a, that is a stonking name. I'm, I'm having that. And you go through this process of looking on companies' house to make sure there's no other names on there like that. And, you you know, if you really want to overthink it some more, you go on the trademarks, like the IPO website, to see if anyone's trademarked it. No one had. And I was like, this is it. This is the dream name. And I ran it through uh, past a few people. Anyway, I spoke to the accountant and it got rejected by the FCA. <laughs> <laughs> apparently if you're not in financial services then you can't use that type of language in the name of your business and the accountant said you know 30 years I've never had anything rejected and I was like well there we go there's a first <laughs> um, so I was back, back to the drawing board again and I thought right okay let's this this thing about this so you know I did English literature at university I, I love language there's got to be some you know lots of people call their company Latin names and so I, I went back through 1590s Ed, Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen which is an, uh, a long a really long form poem it's about that thick that he wrote to Queen Elizabeth and looked up all the words that were related to charity and obviously charity didn't really exist as a word like in the way that we know it today and I came across advise and it means to advise uh, to give an opinion to reflect to review and I thought that that's the badger really sorry to mention the badger <sighs> <laughs> there we are. But yeah. There we go. And it just so happened to have a Z and a Y and you know a V in it, which helps. It's a conversation good. starter. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it, isn't it? You've got to have a you've got to have a name that people look at and go, 
How did you? How did you get? How did you come up with that? A pertinent point about names is that my husband said, "Please don't call it anything that sounds like you should be on The Apprentice with Lord Sugar." <laughs> and that rules out quite a lot of words. Jenny, so what? Like going into this now, I mean, you you said you launched in 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 January. I guess the question is, and I know that you know this is the opportunity to to give the the, the sales pitch. What problem are you trying? Are you going to try and help charities to solve? Do you know the answer to that yet, or are you still heading into it with, with open eyes and, and and looking at opportunities? Yeah, I think the latter. I think there are certain things that I know and I am very proud of that I've achieved in my career, and you know I've led big teams, I've grown income, I've introduced new income streams. So some standard experiences that I've had that I can mm. overlay to uh, to other you know teams or charities that are thinking about doing that so it's sort of like a skill transfer which I think is where my skills are best placed in doing that but I'm also I've also about to start doing some training as well so and it's and actually when I set up the business I didn't expect that that area of work to be opened up to me and I actually been working on some training materials this morning and forgot how much I really loved doing that so I think it's about for me going forward it's about testing those things that I really do love and again everyone that I took advice from said that you that's you know that's the one of the parts of the journey is there's going to be things that you know you don't like doing and you don't have to do those things anymore so choose the things that you really do like doing hone your craft hone your skill hone your art and then do those things really well and I think that's that's the that's the journey that I'm going to go on now I think um, and honing those things that I I, I I enjoy doing and have can offer. And what did you, you said at the start that there was a few things when you sat down on your second 39th birthday and, you know, you looked at your career and you said you'd ticked off that, that, that and that, but you hadn't done that. And you never quite alluded to what it is, but yeah, I'm I, that's part yeah. of the decision of going into, is to try and achieve that. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that is. I think there is. There's still. There's still. You know, how many years have we all got left working? Quite a few. <laughs> mm. And actually, a couple of years ago, I did um, um, my masters at Cass Business School and at Charity Effectiveness Masters. And and actually, a lot of those people have helped me on this journey. Again, name checking a few people like Beth uh, Crackles, who's been absolutely superb in helping me on this journey and um, Carol Claridge who's just retired from consultancy actually after 20 30 odd years of doing it and that was about six years ago and Carol at the time said to me there's no rush don't rush because actually that, that's the advice that she wishes she'd given herself when she was in like her early 30s that's exactly the advice that I'm trying to give myself now is that you don't have to rush these things so yeah the things that I've done very proud of very excited but the things that I haven't done yet I don't need to do them tomorrow I don't need to do them by a certain age it doesn't really mm. matter like who is who is the person that's saying you must do that mm. um, only you are doing that and you don't need to do that and that's actually taken a lot to understand that you can have goals and you can have, you know, objectives and, you know, your milestones to get there. But 
I, I'm not sure how helpful they are when we've all got quite a number of years left of working that, you know, you're setting yourself up to tick those things off by a certain date. Mm. When actually, you know, life is a lot more fluid. As we've seen this year, like the last year, it doesn't really matter. I can, we should do things that make us get out of bed in the morning with a smile on our face. It's very difficult to do that at the moment for everybody for various reasons. So the elements of our lives that we can control, perhaps we should, well, I'm, talking, I'm giving myself the advice here, you take that element and you control it. Yeah, there's an interesting point about um, when you were talking about the reflection on your birthday that you you fixate on the one thing that you, you haven't done, the one thing that you haven't achieved. Is it, it's, it's, a, it's human nature, isn't it, is to look at that, you can ignore all the successes, put those to one side, forget those, I'm going to focus on the one thing I, I didn't get right or haven't ticked off. But it also sounds like you've got, or reaching the grand old age of 39, you've got that maturity to look at that and be sensible about that rather than fully going down that that route. And I guess having a really, you mean you've name-checked a couple of people there as well, but having that network and having that supportive gang around you to, to A, kind of push you forward and give you the Jonathan Andrews advice to just get on with it, but also to, to advise as well and support you with that bit of a safety net. Yeah, don't underestimate the power of, having a good good network actually i mean networking is going to be pretty key isn't it jenny i think you know we've had a few consultants on here over the time and obviously met people through the sector and you know i mean i think we're quite lucky in 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 the charity sector as you said earlier on that people always welcome a conversation and i've actually been encouraging you know my team to say look speak let's talk to people talk to people in the sector everyone wants to share we're all in this together you know and I, i think those kind of statements but I know for some people that they can find that quite intimidating. What Are you going to take a different approach now in terms of kind of networking and just putting yourself out there? Maybe you'll have a bit more free time. Maybe you'll indulge in Twitter conversations a little bit more, do more in terms of blogs, appear on podcasts, start a podcast. I mean, world is your oyster. What's the plan, Jenny? Yeah, as part of like my working week, I have dedicated some time to business development. Mm-hmm. standard ways of doing that you know uh, doing your cpd by attending courses and and doing online networking and i think i think social media is definitely going to be more engaging more in, an engaging opportunity than it might have done in previous organizations um, and again i think one of the things i've seen on twitter that i wouldn't have in previous roles got involved in is things like the um show the salary campaign you know there's been lots of campaigns online that I wouldn't have engaged in because I wouldn't have felt it was my place to do that with it working within an organization and I feel now and I you know all all, all, I doff my hat to every single person that has done that because I think they're awesome and inspiring but I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing it whereas now I feel like actually again what's holding me back engaging in some of those conversations because it's me and my brand not necessarily me as an employee of an organization so Mm. I think it 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 puts a different perspective on 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 those campaigns that are particularly doing brilliantly at the moment and doing great work so I guess the final question just to sum it all up Jenny is we're, we're sitting here you're 43 um so we've you know we've gone three years in the future what are your immediate hopes what what are you hoping to get out of this both both personally and professionally i mean of course you want to 
salary or you want you want to earn income you know that's no question but what, what are you really hoping to get out of this oh, i just want to have some fun doesn't everyone yes fun? love that yeah, yeah have some fun oh meet some interesting i mean i've already had some like introductory conversations with some really interesting charities that if i was looking for a job there's no way they would feature on my radar they just wouldn't be there Mm. Um, because you just again you get you get your um experience and your um where you've worked before really limits and narrows where you go next um I, well I, I think you know you get sent jobs and they you know you fit you end up fitting a particular mold and actually mm. what I'm quite excited about is that I'll be able to work with really loads of different organizations at different scale and different journeys in their you know in their fundraising and even a couple of organizations that i've spoken to that aren't even charities yet you know that are in the commercial world that are thinking about either launching a foundation or or moving into the social enterprise space again if i was in looking for employed work this probably wouldn't feature on my radar so i'm quite excited by those opportunities actually and the, <laughs> the challenge that then they bring yeah and that variety and fun will obviously lead into the, the biography, which turns into a Broadway show. We go full circle. <laughs> oh, God, as long as uh, Charlize Theron can play me, then I don't mind. <laughs> I don't know if she can sing. She probably can. She can do most things, can't she? Wow. I wouldn't, um, wouldn't want to comment. That's brilliant. Well, look, Jenny, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's, it's and, and you know, thank you for your, your honesty and, and openness as well. I know, you know, it's, it's a brave thing to do to put yourself out there on a, on a platform where other people will, uh, will, will listen to it, especially when you're in such the, the early stages of, of figuring out where this goes. But I think, you know, everything that you've said today and you, you won't have to wait long for opportunities. And I'm sure there'll be lots of people knocking on your door with, with your experience, but, we're not going to let you go easily. So shall I go first? Shall I go, go first? On. One of the old questions. Yes, we'll get some new ones soon, won't we? I think so. So, if, Jenny, if you could transport back in time and meet your twenty-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give, and why? I, I think. I mean, I've I've said it already, but I think I would say that you don't need to rush at things. You don't need to go at hundred miles an hour. Things will happen as 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 they're meant to happen. But I mean, that sounds very uh, predeterministic, which actually for my 20 year old self, I'd probably turn to F off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should include that as one of the questions is what would what would the response be from your 20 year old self? I like that. I like that. I like that. Can you tell us, Jenny, about one a life hack or some or a productivity tool or, or a habit or skill or something that you've taught yourself recently that you think everybody needs to know about? Um, can I tell you one that I haven't managed yet um, mm. because I am still trying to do it. So in my other life, you you guys know this because you see me on Twitter doing quite a lot of it, but I'm a key, really keen cyclist. And during lockdown, I've become a, a bit of an avid Swifter. And so for those people that don't know what Swift is, it's a online cycling platform, which is a bit of a game. So you can earn points and get shiny bike wheels um, by riding up pretend hills. Uh, so yeah, definitely of the uh, <laughs> a dweeb if you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> living up, living up to our name. That uh, yeah, so, that's, so what I've tried to do and failed at the moment is work out how you do live streaming for that, so you can actually 
do if you are all, have the inclination to watch me Zwift. People do, like Keith Williams will be all over that. People do this and they enjoy it and it's good fun. And I thought, right, I'll teach myself how to do live streaming. And oh my God, I haven't been able to do it. And I see so many charities and lots of other people doing it. And I'm like, how are you doing this simple thing? But no, I haven't managed that yet. So there's not a life hack there, I'm afraid. Okay, there's a a target for you. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then finally, as a podcast that is focused around people doing more good, what's your favourite story or inspiring individual you've met on your journey or recently who has done something good for others? I would like to have, uh, I've already name checked her once on this podcast but um beth has been an absolute star in um beth crackles uh she runs a podcast i think you guys have had a cracking yeah. cracking charity chat isn't it cracking charity chat um i did my masters with beth and um she moved into consultancy a few years ago and one of the person she was one of the people i approached and and actually she has done tremendous good for me reassuring me that this is the right thing to do during a pandemic but also in in enabling me to meet other people within her network that would lead to um, opportunities for me and my business so um, I think it's not necessarily a charity specific one but from a professional point of view I think she has definitely done me more good in the last few months so thank you Beth. Nice nice and yes you're right she does have a podcast yes which uh is out there and available yeah check it out yeah it's a nice way to end it isn't it jenny look we'll wrap it up there brilliant again wish you all the luck in the world please do come back again and tell us how it's going and uh yeah if there's anything that either we can do i'm sure we'll, we'll be in touch and we look forward to seeing your increased volume of twitter posts uh as you start getting involved in various conversations well, actually, one thing I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, Jenny, where if anyone wants to find you and have a conversation or a chat or is interested by anything that you said, where, where can they go to, to find you? So you can head to the website or, or you can just find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Jenny Anderson Tomlin, he's, I'm pretty easy to find on there. So, yeah, please do drop me a note or connect by LinkedIn and we can have a chat. Any final thoughts, James? No, I mean, you, you started off by um, talking about the pina coladas. So I'm just looking, I'm looking forward to a, a, a South East London boozer and a couple of pina coladas when we can. Yes, hopefully we'll be back there soon enough. And we're looking and we hopefully got some exciting guests planned for the, for the next few weeks. So we'll be back with more episodes soon. But Jenny, for now, James, thank you very much. We will catch up soon. Take care, guys. Lovely stuff. Cheers, mate. anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing where can they find us well we're on twitter kenneth at do more good pod instagram at do more good pod have we gone multi-channel and even gone to youtube we have but you can find all those videos on the website do more good.uk and if you want to contact us by email please use contact at do more good.uk